You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I love that Jay comes in and we're singing yes and amen. And that song, I'm telling you right now, if you listen to that song, you know the words of that song, you heard the sermon. Okay? Uh, so the Lord may just tell me to stop at some point and just go home, listen to that song, you'll know the, you'll know the word for today. But this was up, in, it was up until yesterday morning, I, w- I was pressing in with the Lord on what He wanted to say this morning. Because there was so much I felt that he wanted to say, but it's like, okay, that's, that's a lot of weeks, or that's a lot of time that we could spend on this one thing. There were three verses, and there was a lot within those three verses. But those three verses, that passage of Scripture, it started with Jay. Um, there's this group called Streetlights, correct? And they, they read Scripture but it's with music, and they're not singing or anything. It's just a spoken word thing, but it is fascinating. It is so cool, because you're listening to an entire passage of Scripture in just a matter of minutes, and it's it's just good. It's very captivating. It's awesome. He sent me Hebrews 11, and I listened to it in the car. It's like, okay, I I need to sit down and read that again, because that's just, that's a great passage. That's the faith passage, Hebrews 11. And Hebrews 13 through 16, and you can go to Hebrews 11 right now, by the way. Um, We'll start in verse 1, but Hebrews 13 through 16. When I read that, it was if that was a brand, like a hot brand, and the Lord burned it to the inside of my head. Like I, all I could see was that, that passage of Scripture, that chunk of Scripture. I could see it. And I couldn't see anything else but that passage of Scripture. And it took me until yesterday morning to really understand what the Lord was saying for this morning. So we'll start in Hebrews 11 verse 1. Because there's just, we got to get some context. And we're going to read 16 verses. So hold on, fasten your seatbelts. We're going to get into it. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gift. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark, for the saving of his household. By this, he commended the world and became an heir. He condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out that he was to receive 
go out of the place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going by faith. He went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received the power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them greeted, having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. Like I said, that song that we talked about, and I'll getting ahead of myself. I, I'm telling you, I could preach that sermon just by going through the lyrics of that song. But there's some, some background that we have to hit first. But by faith, it says that through this passage, through Hebrews 11, by faith is said 18 times. Okay, So we know what this passage is about. By faith, they encountered the promises of God. And it was faith that led them there. It was faith that would lead them to the place they needed to be to receive these promises. And in these days, our focus must be on the promises of God individually and collectively. It has to be so at the forefront of our mind what, the, what God has promised to you. And then when you're living each and every day reflecting on the promises of God to you and we gather together, we will together reflect on the promises that He has spoken over this house. Second Peter will be up on the board, or on the wall there. Second Peter 1.4 By which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. These promises will lead us into this divine nature. And you think, you got to think, this is Peter I'm talking about. You think anybody understands this in the promises of God? Peter gets it. Peter understands it. Peter, Peter, in time and time again, was in a place where he neglected the promises of God and got burned. Or got wet. Right? Neglecting the promises of God. So when he says... Our focus on the promises of God allow us to be partakers of divine nature. It is a guiding light. It is a lighthouse in the midst of all the crazy circumstance. It points us and guides us to shore. The promises God has spoken are a guiding light. But what is necessary to receive it and to walk in the promises of God? I'll give you one guess. And it's said 18 times in this passage. Faith. 
Well, faith, the word faith is said a lot more than 18 times in this passage, but Hebrews 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction, conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for. How can it be the assurance? How can faith be the assurance of things hoped for? So I've got a promise from God, and I hope to see that promise. I'm holding on to that promise. I hope to see it. And Jay taught me this. Hope, when we hope for something, hope in, in its entirety is this, this promise of God, and I'm hoping for it. Hope, I'm holding the line that's attached to that promise. I, I already have it. I have it in my possession already. It's not come to me yet, but I already am holding on to it. That's hope. I already have a link to it. I already have a connection to it. I can see it. I know it's mine. It's in my hands. I can reach out and see it. It says that there in in 13, they greeted these promises from afar. They knew they were there. They didn't get to see the fullness of them. I mean, that would be a hard promise to see in Abraham's lifetime that your descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky. I mean, that, that'd be a busy few years for that to actually be a reality. But he saw that promise begin. He saw the fruition of it. He hoped, and he died in that hope. But all this to say, how, how, can, I, how can I have faith? How can faith be the assurance? How can I even have hope? How can you have hope to see a promise of God? What is necessary for there, to first, for there to be hope? What has to exist first before there can be hope? There has to be relationship. I have to know that he who has spoken these promises to me is faithful. Faithful you are. Faithful you will always be. Right there in that song. That song is testimony. It's all that song is. If you're singing that and you believe those words, that's because you've encountered those words for yourself. Because all that song is, is a testimony of encountering the faithfulness and the promises of God. And that when He promises something, all His promises are yes and let it be. That's what it is to receive a promise from God. That's a testimony moment that we saw. So I have faith that I will see the fruition of that which God has promised. Hebrews 11.6, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Whoever would draw near must believe He is who He says He is. So how can you believe He is who He says He is? Turn to Ephesians 2. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. So this is something, this has been a a teaching that the Lord gave me at the beginning of my time here as youth pastor all those years ago, where he taught me about what that, that first gift of faith was. And it says right there in that moment, there's not a single one of us in here that believes in God by our own doing. Not a one of us. We have the ability to each and every day choose God or not, but in that first moment, He presented Himself to us. It's not like we conjured up this this faith to all of a sudden believe. 
But that gift of faith, what the Lord showed me is that gift of faith is something that uh, I believe he calls this, he, or at least he let me name it. Um, but what I've called it and what I've taught it as is abiding faith. We know that abiding means to remain in. Okay, so this, this faith that we are to remain in, this foundational level of faith, this first deposit of faith, and it's simply this belief that God is good and he loves me. If you look at every salvation story, that exists right there at that moment of faith. It's this realization that, man, God is good, and I'm in need of a Savior, and He's that Savior, and He loves me. He died for me, right? It's that recognition that God is good, and He loves me. That's, that, that's present at that first encounter. Do you still believe that, church? I don't know about that. Do you still believe that, that God is good, and He loves you? Okay, good. Because you can't go on from there. If you don't believe that, we've got to change the sermon a little bit. Tweak it a little bit, and we'll deal with that. But if you believe in that, then we can move on, because that is the foundational deposit of faith. And it first came in a moment of encounter. Right? There's this moment that all of us can articulate of when, I, when we first encountered God. And for me, it took me years because I grew up in church, and so that can get kind of confusing, because I, I went to church camp. And man, oh man, did they know how to play to the emotional. I was already a sensitive guy, wore my emotions on my sleeve, so it wasn't hard to get me teary and coming up to the altar. But the Lord, later in life, it was actually as I was working here at Youth Pastor, it's like, man, I, need, I want to know, Lord, when did that happen? Because I know it happened as a child, but I want to know where it is, when it was. The Lord took me to this moment so profoundly. I could take you to this church, First United Methodist Church in downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's on the basement level. It was in the, the it's like a youth room. This was a massive church. It was insanely big. And I could take you to the spot. I'm telling you, I could get you within two feet of the place where I hit my knees. And I, I can describe that moment. The world around me disappeared, and it was just me in that room. And Jesus right there. I... It clear as day. And I could take you to that spot. There was this profound moment of encounter with God that started this journey for me. And that first deposit of faith came in this moment of encounter with God. So how does faith increase? It increases through encounter. It increases in our relationship with God. Without relationship, not Sunday school relationship, not coming to church on Sunday and Wednesday, good Christian relationship. I'm talking about a relationship with God where you know Him and He knows you. And you know that He knows you. And He knows that you know Him. A real relationship with God. Faith increases. And we've been taught, I was taught this, that faith grows in a moment that you need it. Right? You just got to have faith. That's like saying somebody, you just got to have money. You don't have money, just saying, I got to have money is not going to, ooh, there it is. That's not how that works. There's got to be a deposit first. Something has to be done for me to get the money. And then when the time comes, hopefully I have enough to answer the need. Right? Same with faith. If it is very possible for you to encounter a circumstance that you do not have the adequate faith for. That was a profound moment for me. That I could encounter something where I do not have the faith necessary to walk through that moment. 
the way God has called me to walk through it because I have neglected my relationship with God. And we see that. That's not hard to believe anymore. Look around. You see that there are, not, there are people that do not have relationship with God. I saw one just the other night. I, just last night. Saw a moment where there was not faith to meet the circumstance. And it was not pretty. What we turn to. We turn to, we turn to our nature and our soul. So we have to have encounter. We have to have relationship. We have to know the one making the promise. By faith, we can walk in obedience to what he reveals. By faith, we can do that if we know the one that's speaking the promises. We have to have relationship with the one that's speaking the promises. Now, again, let's look at Hebrews 11, verse 13 through 16. And I'm telling you, there is so much in these three verses so profound to me. And the Lord would not let me, He would not let me stop thinking about this passage. Stop reflecting on it. He's ingrained it in me all week. Verse 13, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them greeted and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. Do you recognize that? I think we can see that and sense that more than ever. When you now have in America organizations that burn Bibles and are championed for that, you've got to recognize we live in that time now. That's, that's where we are. It's not, it's not a matter of when, it's, it's now, church. We have no time to take this for granted any longer. The enemy is at your doorstep, and he's coming in no matter what. So how we handle that, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of being on the defense all the time. If he's at our doorstep, I'm kicking the door out at him, right? We have to be aggressive. We have to walk with the same urgency that God is moving. And how we do that is we have to understand the promises of God to his people. We have to recognize that you are strangers and exiles. People are not going to like you. Get over it. Check your feelings at the door. They don't care. They need truth and freedom. They don't need you to be upset because they were mean to you one time. Okay? And I'm talking to myself too, Parker. Come on. I'm telling you, I'm talking to myself too. Verse 14, For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Listen to this. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return to it. If we are thinking of that place in which we've come from, how it used to be, we will return to it. The church does not need to return to the way things used to be before all this started happening. can't do it. We can't return to the times of gray where see no evil and there is no evil. If somebody just covers it up really good, I don't have to worry about it. I can just go on my merry way. Come sing some songs, hear a good word, tell the pastor he did a good job, or get offended, start a new church. Can't return to that. I don't want to return to that. And for a long time, this house is saying, I won't go back. You've made a covenant with God every time you've sung that. He's holding you to that. 
Because it's, it's going to get real tempting to want to just turn around, start focusing on how it used to be, because it was easier. It was easier. But we're not in easy times anymore. Thank God. But you've also been equipped for hard times. He gave us 12 years of equipping for hard times. That we could be people of victory. Not people that are run over by what we see, but people of victory. People that establish the kingdom of heaven. So if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return to it. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. That is profound to me. Because also look at verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. In verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. And the Lord took me to John uh, when Jesus is talking about departing. And um, he's, he's talking about the, the, in, his, in his father there are, there are many rooms. There are mansions there. And he's, he's going to prepare a place for us. But then he is also saying that I'm in the father and you are in me. So if he's in the father and we're in him, where are we? We're in the Father. And He has created us not to simply go through this life, deal with the ups and downs, deal with the hard times, and then someday get to go to heaven. What Jesus taught them how to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right now. Not walk through this earth and someday go to heaven. Establish heaven right now because that is the will of God. That is, that is the desire of God. And so, a city that has foundations, who designer and builder is God, a country that is a heavenly country, can happen right now. You guys know the dream of my heart for this city. But I'm teaching this now. That dream happened all the way over there. And then we find ourselves here now. Not, not having this passage in my mind. I, I'm, I'll be very honest. I don't have Scripture memorized. There are books of the Bible that I have dabbled in. And I couldn't really tell you where they're at. i got to use the thing at the front. Get you a page number. So it's not like, it's like, man, Hebrews 11, that's what I want for this city. The Lord gave me a dream, and then he brought us to Hebrews 11. I just want you to say that he's reiterating what he has already said he desires to do through us. He desires to build a city that foundations are built by him. He is the designer, he is the architect, he is the builder, and that this country would be a heavenly one. We get to establish that now. I know that in this passage they're talking about where they're getting to go and they're looking forward to that. But that is the next point. And we've talked about this. They were looking at the promises of God and because they knew God, they were focused on the promises of God. They had faith that by faith they were taking each step, hoping 
to see these things, to see the fruition of these promises because they knew the one that had spoken them. And because of that focus, because of that heavenly focus, because of focusing on Jesus, not the circumstances that surround you, we're able to walk on the water and establish a heavenly city here and now. Amen? Come on, man, I need more than that. The Lord has literally just said, yeah, I want to do that. I want to design and build this city. He's just said that. He's just brought us to a passage and he would not let me leave from that promise. I'm telling you, up until yesterday morning, I thought I was going to read those three verses and we were going to leave. And then Jay sings this song. It's like, I'm not even going to read those three verses. We just need that song. That needs to be a reflection of us, church. Amen? Let it be that the designer, the great designer, God, the Father, would build this city in His image after His likeness. That this would be a heavenly country. But what He showed me then, yesterday, so profoundly, I wrote it down on my phone. Um, What He showed me, and this is, the importance, I would encourage you to, in your own life, reflect on the promises of God. And we're going to have some time to do that this morning. What He's promised to you in your own life. The things that He's promised each and every one of us, but also the very specific things that He's promised to you. Write those down. Have those in a place where you can regularly look at those in tough circumstances because He has said those will be our guiding light. Those will allow us to keep walking in step with the Spirit. But what He showed me yesterday, is He showed me he showed me this time where we just sat, and Jay was gonna, Jay's going to play, and we just sat there, and we allowed him to bring those promises back to mind. We allowed him to speak those over us again. And we, we came with a ready heart to receive them. And then what we did is we brought them, we brought them to the altar. I, I, it's uncomfortable. I don't care. Um, you, you physically brought them to the altar, and you laid them at his feet. And what he was doing was he was picking them up and they were becoming bricks in his hands and he was laying the road for this new city that he's building. It's these promises, it's these moments of obedience that are constructing the city of God. He is the designer and builder. So each and every act of obedience, each and every promise that he desires to bring to fruition to you is building and constructing this city. It's that simple. That's all that is required of us, to give them to him, to lay him down, to allow him to take those promises. And when he brings us to fruition, he's laying that brick down for this road of this new city. So in this time, as Jay starts to play, just allow him to remind you the promises that he has spoken to you. And as he reminds them to you, come and lay them down that he could begin to construct through these promises, the city of God. The city after his own heart that reflects him. Amen? That means let it be. Amen? Amen. Let it be. That we, this house, would be found a people that are aiding and helping God in constructing a heavenly city right now in this time, in this day and age. I'm just always blown away that we have the opportunity to do what we get to do here. 
always blown away that the Lord would call us to do what we get to do. And you know, the beautiful thing about that, I'm going to read this again, because this was the other thing that just jumped out at me. In verse 16, that second part of 16, or just the first thing. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. They desired a country built and designed by God. And because of that desire, and because of their faith, because of their pursuit of relationship, and because by faith they were walking in step with the Spirit of God, they were living focused on the promises of God, focused on the establishment of the kingdom of heaven in their lifetime. Because of that, because of their desire to see kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because of that, God was not ashamed to be called their God. For he, was prepared, for he has prepared for them a city. What a moment. It just struck me so, so greatly that the Lord would say in those moments, those, they call me their God. Those, those children, those giants you see before you have chosen me. What a turn in our way of thinking that there would be a moment where God says, I'm not ashamed to be called their God. I'm proud to be called their God. Right? He is proud that you call Him yours. So proud that He would charge you with the construction of a heavenly city. That He would charge you with the establishment of His kingdom on earth. He's so proud that He would give you all of Himself to establish it here on earth. So proud that He would anoint you to be a vessel for kindness. That people would meet, they would see His Son Jesus in you. We talked about that yesterday at Miss Merlene's funeral. She was Jesus to so many people. They knew Jesus because they knew her. And God was proud of that. I'm so proud that they would see my son Jesus that came and died for them through that lady. So proud. He thinks that of you. And he has charged you. He has given us this opportunity to construct with him a heavenly city. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.